Welcome to Coffee and an Interview. I'm Jacqueline Pena, and we're here today with Barbara Shelton, who's going to talk about highly sensitive people. How are you, Barbara? Hi, Jacqueline. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. And uh, I am doing amazingly today. How are you today? Very good, very good. And you're actually very far from where I am right now. Where are you right now? Yes, that's true. I am in the Netherlands. It's a very, very small country in Europe. <laughs> Which I, hopefully I'll get to visit soon once we get uh, through this pandemic and, yes. and move on and go beyond. But tell me a little bit about... Um, what is a highly sensitive person, HSP? I rarely hear this term mentioned in personal or professional circles, and I wanted you to start with a definition for us. What is a highly sensitive person? Well, that is a very good question because I only found out that I am one when I was 32, so for most of my life, I didn't know, and that's the theme with on uh, highly sensitive people. Most of us don't know that we are highly sensitive. So what makes a person a highly sensitive person? It's a couple of things, actually. One of the things is that we literally hear more, see more, smell more, feel more, and experience more because our sensory antenna is much more finely tuned. So they um, actually showed it under an MRI scan that our nervous system has much more wires, so to say. Uh, they showed images and videos and audio fragments to a highly sensitive person and to a not highly sensitive person. The same images, the same audios, everything the same. And what they saw is that a lot more areas in the brain light up for the highly sensitive person than for the non-highly sensitive person. So that means that you are getting a lot more environmental information, basically. That also means that you have to process a lot more information. And as a highly sensitive person, we also process information differently. We process it much faster and on a much deeper level than not highly sensitive people. So that means in, in, in um, day-to-day life, for instance, that when someone offers a solution to a problem, we then immediately can think, oh, tuck, 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 tuck. oh that's not going to work because you immediately see all the effects of the solution and also all the benefits and if it's actually going to solve something. Mm-hmm. Because we are so fast and we have all that information to us, it's, it makes us process things much faster and much deeper. So what I see with highly sensitive people who have not found out that they are highly sensitive or do not know how to handle it well, what they experience in day-to-day life is extreme exhaustion, being very quickly overwhelmed or overstimulated, um, not being able to handle themselves very well in crowds because there are so many noises and smells and emotions and energies that it's, it's completely overwhelming. Um, what I also see is that they are more sensitive to certain foods like caffeine, for instance, I can drink one cup of coffee and then I already feel a little bit tense, but do I drink two? Then I'm like the energizer buddy on steroids that's jumping all over the place, you know, those types of things you can notice. But in general, highly sensitive people think differently. We think about us. We think in we terms. So how do we all benefit 
from something that we are doing or what can it bring us as a department or us as a friend group. So very social, very caring for others, very concerned about how others are doing, usually tending to forget to take care of themselves in the process, um, very perfectionistic, things need to be done like on a 10 of a scale from one to 10 and 10 is the best and hardly able to be satisfied with an eight. So mm -hmm. you're raising the bar really high for the people around you, but mostly for yourself, for instance. All those things make that you ask a lot of yourself and a lot of your energy. And that also means that we are more prone to stress. And if we're not careful, we end up in a burnout more quickly than the non-highly sensitive person. Very interesting. I I've actually haven't heard anyone talk about highly sensitive people, uh, maybe a mention here and there, but a lot of these um, points you make about characteristics uh, are things that I hadn't heard about before. And, um, and, and just in hearing you talk, you start thinking about just how, how stressful it must be to be a highly sensitive person in certain situations, personal, professional, and amidst a lot of the craziness that's going on in 2020 in this year. Yes. That we might never mention again once we survive it. <laughs> Indeed. And, and what I want to side note on what you're saying is that it can be really stressful for highly sensitive person, people because of all the things that I mentioned, but that usually happens when they don't know how to protect their energy yet, or when they don't know that they are highly sensitive and thus cannot protect themselves yet. So for me as a highly sensitive person that knows how to protect myself, that knows that I am a highly sensitive person with everything that comes with it, um, it's less stressful because I know how to handle it and I know how to handle myself. And that makes a huge difference. So that's also a big part of the things that I do with highly sensitive people is to teach them all about themselves and how to handle yourself better in this world that's mostly... Um, made, I would say, but that's not the right word. It's more um, focused on the other 80% of the people that are not highly sensitive because highly sensitive people make up about 20% of the world's population. And to put that more into perspective, about 11% of the world's population is left-handed. Oh, wow. So 11% are left-handed and highly sensitive people make up 20%. So more than left-handed people give it a bit more perspective and um it's a much higher number than i had thought so if i'm if i'm in a room one out of every five people is a highly sensitive person yes indeed one of every five people is a highly sensitive person but the world is more focused on the four out of the five people that are not yeah so i guess this is a great time to ask you how did you get into this work realizing that the world focuses on the other four out of five people the other 80 percent realizing uh that you're a highly sensitive person and that 20 percent of the population is made up of highly sensitive people uh how did you get into this line of work of coaching highly sensitive people i got into this line of work because um, like most highly sensitive people, I was asking very much of myself, not taking good enough care of myself, uh, and eventually ending up in a severe burnout due to causes both personal and professional, because a burnout is never just one thing. It's when everything seems to fall apart and then 
you fall apart basically. And in that period, I discovered that I am a highly sensitive person by accident because my boss told me, yeah, but you are an HSP and my wife is an HSP and you are both exactly the same. And then he moved on to another topic. And I thought, HSP? What the hell is an HSP? So I discovered in that way that I am a highly sensitive person, started to read all about it and then started to get to know myself really well. And then I was sent to a psychologist to talk about why I had ended up in a burnout. And I discovered that the way into a burnout, but also the way out of a burnout for highly sensitive people is completely different than for the other 80%. So the, um, they did cognitive, cognitive therapy with me, but for highly sensitive people that doesn't work because we often know why we ended up in a burnout. We were just not able to change it. We were not able to um, stop it or prevent it from happening. But we, we were realizing that things were not going right. And we were realizing that something had to change. So cognitive behavioral therapy is um, focused on getting you to understand why you ended up in the burnout but we already know why we ended up in the burnout so the therapy is not working for a highly sensitive person and it took me two years and a lot of different therapies and a lot of different people that i went to for help to finally get myself out of this burnout and then i thought this needs to be different there needs to be someone that can help other highly sensitive people in the same position as that I was to get well much quicker than two years of trying most things in desperation. So that inspired me to start my first company to be in balance in which I help highly sensitive people with too much stress or burnout, handle their stress better and discover how they can prevent the burnout from happening again, basically also by getting to know their cells and their own user manual really well and learning how to protect their energy better and to be milder towards themselves and to do proper self-care. And it sounds like, it sounds like we have all these toolkits available out there in the world. We have cognitive behavioral theory and all kinds of, of therapies and psychological perspectives, but those toolkits are not effective for HSPs as you said. And so here you are, your first company was inspired in helping HSPs, highly sensitive people, and helping them by creating and providing tools that they're really not getting because those toolkits that are out there are not made for them. Exactly. Spot on. Very impressive. Okay. So, so now how do you help highly sensitive people? So we, we have an understanding of, you know, what is a highly sensitive person? What are some of the challenges? Why the toolkits that are out there might not work for them? And you had to create a toolkit to really help uh, highly sensitive people. So, um, so how how do you help them? What what are what are some things that highly sensitive people can do to recognize where they're at and to try to avoid some of that burnout? Mm -hmm. That's a very good question. I have developed a system that I call the HP Superpower System because I think being highly sensitive is actually a superpower. So we are super people in the making. I love that. I love the superpower, the super people. I love this concept. <laughs> Thank you. And what is, is important for a lot of people, but especially for highly sensitive people is that we learn to breathe 
in the right way and that we learn to ground. And by breathing the right way, I mean breathing from the belly because most highly sensitive people breathe from the chest. And all things emotion related happen up here. And the tears out of your eyes, the, the uh, lump in your throat, um, chest pain, uh, pain in the neck and shoulders, everything is up here. So if you're already breathing up here, then you're very connected to all the things that make you become emotional. And that's one of the complaints that highly sensitive people have, that they are so quickly to be emotional. And then also the badly chosen word sensitive seems to highlight that. And that's what also makes it something to be ashamed of for a lot of highly sensitive people. They don't want to be called sensitive. And, and they contact me, so can I get rid of this? Or they say, uh, because of your articles, I now know I am sensitive and I finally came out of the closet. So these are all signs to me saying that there's like a taboo or a shame on being highly sensitive or sensitive in general. Um, so when you are breathing from your chest, and things happen, then your energy is already up here. So there's, it's a very short route to crying or to have a lump in your throat or to have panic attacks or all the things that happen up here. When you breathe from your belly, um, you connect with your power core, so to say. It's located in your belly, just below your belly button. And that's where your intuition comes from your your belly knowing the knowing without knowing how you know what you know mm -hmm. and that is your the basis of your superpower so by breathing from your belly the energy is much lower it's much lower in your center than up here so the way to your emotions that happen up here is much longer this gives you much more control over your emotions, but also over your energy and how you will respond during the day to un, uh, uncertain things, but also un, um, unpredictable things, things mm -hmm. that just happen. So that is a very important thing, which I always start with. And the other one is being grounded. And I, can, oh, I always compare that to a really big old tree. You know, if you see a, a tree that's more than 100 years old, and suddenly there's a huge storm coming. What do you think would happen to that tree if it didn't have any roots? It'll collapse. Exactly. And that is what happens to highly sensitive people that are not grounded. And then the storms are the unexpected things that happen in your day-to-day -day life. Yeah. So if you're not grounded, if you do not have those roots, then an unexpected thing, like suddenly your boss says, well, we're going to fire you will devastate you and, and, and floor you and you will start crying. You will no longer be in control, which HSP hates because the HSP likes being in control. <laughs> and, and that's because you're not grounded enough. So when that really big 100 year old tree has roots and it is grounded and then the storm comes, it will remain standing. You will see it bend a little with the storm that comes but it will not fall in its face. It will remain standing. Mm -hmm. And that's what proper grounding does for highly sensitive people. It gives you control over unexpected situations, about, over your energy, and, and again, over your emotions, which are the main problems of highly sensitive people that either don't know that they are highly sensitive or don't know how to handle it. 
These are, uh, these are great points. Um, I, I'm, I'm relating to a lot of what you're saying. I need to, I need to take, I need to figure out if I'm a highly sensitive person myself or, um, or, or, or what, but, but even, even in thinking about that, you know, some of the things you said and, and some of the solutions or some of the tools, the toolkit you provide with breathing the right way, being grounded, that's, those are powerful tools that any of us can use. Cause I think all of us are shaken at some point we're hit with surprises. And if we could just take a minute, make sure that we're grounded, breathe the right way, it'll just help us in that immediate uh, situation. That's, and, and able to move yeah. on. That's where it starts. And, and if there are people listening to this that also think, oh, I need to find out if I'm a sensitive person, I have a free quiz on my website. Oh, perfect. So I will link uh, in the resources for this podcast, I'll add the link to the website and the direct link to that quiz as well so that our listeners can easily find that. And I know I need to take it as soon as we're done talking today, because I'm, I'm curious myself. I've always wondered, and I didn't know how to find out if I'm a highly sensitive person myself. Yes. I have those questions a lot. So that's why I created a quiz. It's free. It's fun. It's easy. It's, it's fast. And then you at least know, or the ballpark of where you are at. And, um, to, to answer the rest of your question, besides breathing and grounding, the other tools that are very important to have as a highly sensitive person where I pay a lot of attention on is energy management and emotion management. So techniques that will learn you or teach you how to protect your energy. So that and what I call energy vampires, those are the people that suck your energy out of you. I think we all know those people that when you talk to them, they leave happy and you feel drained and like something ran over you. Somewhere. Yeah. I work with some of those. I dated one of those. <laughs> exactly. So tools in, in learning how to protect yourself from that, from, from other people taking your energy, but also to prevent yourself from leaking energy because we also leak energy often without us knowing. Um, there are tra uh, techniques in there that help with stress management and how to handle and deal with stress much better. Um, there are also techniques in there that if you have taken over somebody else's energy or emotions, which is a very real concept for the highly sensitive person, I used to think that what I feel is mine because I feel it, but that's not true for the highly sensitive person. We can feel feelings and energies from other people and it feels like they are yours, but they're not. So also techniques in learning to prevent that. But if you have taken over somebody's energy or emotion, techniques on how to let that go quickly so it won't bother you. And also techniques on how to renew your energy. So if you feel drained or exhausted, overwhelmed, overstimulated, how you can quickly get yourself back to feeling in control and energetic again. Wow, these are definitely uh, great tips. Um... I hadn't thought about energy and emotional vampires uh, or <laughs> in, a, in a long time, but I hadn't, I never made the connection to how that could affect a highly sensitive person. Again, I haven't taken your quiz yet. So that's what I have to do as soon as we're done to see if maybe uh, that came, uh, that played a role, but, but I hadn't thought about that either. And these are things that we experience in our personal and professional lives. So it's not one or the other. It could be with friendships, with family members, in intimate relationships, it could be with coworkers, it could be with team members, it could be with colleagues, bosses, supervisors. So I think um, our our world is about energy, emotion, and relationships, and you know, and people. 
And, um, and so these, these different skills in this toolkit becomes extremely important if we want to interact with others, not just with ourselves in our homes alone. Yes, in your personal and in your professional life. And also as a business owner, because my first company was to be in balance. But when I was doing a marketing uh, course to learn how to do better marketing for my company, I discovered that I was in a course with a lot of highly sensitive entrepreneurs. And also as an entrepreneur, especially when you are a one man or a one woman business, you are your company. So learning how to manage your energy, learning how to manage your emotions, um, distinguishing between what is yours and what is your clients, for instance, but also doing marketing and, and sales in a way that feeds your soul and comes from the heart are things that are very important for the highly sensitive entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah, and it's very difficult. And you're not you're thinking about purpose and others, not yes. um, profit and, and numbers. And so, how do you uh, find the right path? for marketing if you want to have a small business because you do have to sell or if, the, if you are selling a service or product, you still have to make money in order for the business to, to continue or you'll lose them. Yeah. Um, I had a, a question. We were talking about this term about being sensitive, being taboo and professionally and even you know outside of professional, personal settings, being sensitive, I've seen that it is considered very taboo and people uh, might criticize someone by saying, oh, she's too sensitive. We can't mm -hmm. talk about those things in front of her or she can't be in that group chat because we can't say these things. She's too sensitive. But, um, but then there's a, a, another piece, men, men and women. I mean, I can imagine um, what, 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 do you, what kind of feedback do you get in terms of women and the term sensitive and the taboo and men with the term sensitive and this idea of that not be, of being a negative thing. Have you seen anything in the work you've done when it comes to men versus women, I hate to use the word versus, I'm sorry, but in the comparison. Yes. And then age-wise too, I'm thinking um, in general, people who are younger versus those who've lived life more and are in their uh, midlife or beyond. Mm. Those are very, very good questions. What I see is that for women, it's generally more accepted to be sensitive. Although they often say, oh, you're probably in that time of the month, which is also not nice to hear. But for women and becoming emotional or crying, it's sort of allowed because we are women, you know, and we have those hormones and, and it's sort of accepted. But for men, I, I get a lot of men actually that come to my practice because I'm so down to earth and so level-headed which apparently appeals to men. But for men, it's even more difficult because in general, society raises men to be strong men that talk about cars and that like women and that drink beer and that go to the pub or to uh, car races or, or manly, do manly things. But the highly sensitive men, it's, it's not that they are not manly, but not in that way. They are more in tune with their own emotions. They're more in tune with their own nature, with their wants and their needs. And most of them have more women friends than they have male friends. Because with women, they can talk about uh, what they see for their future, how they feel about uh, their spouse, um, how they feel about things that are going on in the workplace while for feelings there hardly is room in the manly man world. Yeah. So highly sensitive men often feel even less 
um, they feel more alone and, and more like an alien and outcast than highly sensitive women. So that's very good that you ask because I think, and, and I, I coach also more men than I do women because I think for men it's even more important to find an outlet that it's okay to be who you are and that you do not have to be ashamed for having emotions, for having feelings uh, and for wanting to talk about them, for instance. Or not wanting to talk about beer or not wanting to talk about cars is also perfectly fine. Though society often puts a label on it and saying, oh, you're gay or uh, some other form of a label that's far from the truth. So that's what I see between men and women. And if you then look at age, what I see is that from, I think, about 30 and up, especially mm -hmm. when you get into um, 40s, 50s and 60s and higher, there was a taboo on it in the earlier days. When I told my mother that I am highly sensitive, her response was, yes, child, I know, but that's not something to be proud of. <laughs> oh, wow. I too, but it's better for you if you just do what everybody else is doing, then life will be easier. And that's something my grandmother taught her to be just like everybody else, because then she thought life would be easier. But that's not true, because then you lead a life of a person that is not you. You're constantly living a lie if you try to be someone that you're not, and that actually makes life a lot harder. And it makes you not understand yourself, not accept yourself, and also not being accepted by other people while that is your greatest wish. Mm -hmm. And I see that more with the older generations than with the younger ones, because there's a shift coming now. And um, there is starting to, there's coming more, the, um, more room is coming for highly sensitive people. More room is coming for sensitivity and to allow that into your life. Also, more people are acknowledging their own sensitivity and are now raising their children with the awareness of high sensitivity and thus recognizing it with their children sooner and helping them be a highly sensitive person with the adequate tools. So, so that, that's very interesting because um, I think a lot of us have similar stories where if we're sad or we're too sensitive, especially if we're women, um, maybe more if we're women. Men, uh, I can see it with men because they're men, but it, I can see like my mother saying, toughen up, stop crying, move on, so what? <laughs> Life is hard. Figure it out. Yes. <laughs> and uh, I think, I think, um, well, you know, it's sort of, you know, you shouldn't be sensitive. And, um, you know, I just made a comment. I'm thinking about it. But with men, I think that's, that is true. That is how they're raised too. Because as men, it's like toughen up. You're a man. You can't be sad. You can't be crying. You can't be sensitive. For us women, we, um, maybe it's more accepted socially or was more accepted. Um, that we were more sensitive, but we were trying to be raised as being strong and independent, and we needed to learn how to be stronger to manage that world. And now I, I can see more people, younger generations, saying, I understand this, and we need to embrace it. We need to own this. And then I love your perspective of the superpower. You have a superpower. Here's a toolkit on how to manage the superpower. So this shift in the narrative and the shift in the perspective is very interesting. I'm, I'm saying all this and processing it myself and trying to make the pieces connect because it's, it's something that we don't think a lot about and we definitely don't talk about. 
And, yes. um, and we don't get the opportunities to talk about it either because it's, it is taboo to talk about being sensitive and how to yeah. work uh, with being sensitive in the workplace or in your personal life. Even just to talk about it is taboo. Yes, yes, indeed. And that's such a shame because I think if you teach people to embrace who they are, no matter what that is, then you put them in their power. Mm -hmm. Just be yourself and learn to love yourself and be proud of yourself and then discover what are your strengths and what are your weaknesses and then discover your big dream. What is it that you truly want to be or become that makes you happy? And I did a podcast actually about it because highly sensitive people, we are multi-potentialites. So that means we don't have one thing that we want to be. We have 20 things that we want to be because we all find them very interesting and that's okay, even though we are being taught that we need to choose one thing. Mm -hmm. As early as the age of three or four, I can remember being asked the question, what do you want to be when you grow up? And for us, that's a very limiting question because it's not one thing. I have so many interests and I am so good at so many things. And that's why I now am also a, a multi uh, entrepreneur. So I have multi, multiple companies. Uh, and I do multiple things because that's where my strength lies. So instead of trying to deny me my strengths and making me choose one thing, I'm now embracing my strengths, choosing the top five of the things that I want to do because 20 is too much, but five <laughs> can really work and does really work for me. And I feel in my element because we also need to watch out for boredom. We learn tricks very quickly. And then when it becomes like a trick that we've done too much, we lose our interest and we lose our focus and we lose our will to do it basically. And if we have like five different things that um, interact during the day or sometimes I do this, sometimes I do that, then I do this and then I do that, then it makes it interesting because it's never the same and boredom doesn't have a chance. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but there are people that at the age of four already know I'm going to be an astronaut. And that's also perfectly fine. We also need specialists like a heart surgeon. We need heart surgeons, which is a very specialized profession. And that's perfect. If your passion is to cut people open and to look at their heart, by all means, embrace it and go for it. But if you like photography and you like web design, but you also like coaching people and you like marketing and you like, um, no, something else, drawing, I don't care, then just embrace all of them and see how you can combine them, for instance, to a company that takes all your strengths and puts it out there in order to, you, to help other people. Why not? That's great advice. I, hadn't, I, I didn't know that part either about highly sensitive people. And, um, and the fact that there's so many different interests. Um, I definitely need to take this quiz in a few minutes, but, <laughs> but it's great to hear this advice that you can have more than one passion. You can have more than one interest, narrow them down to something manageable, find the connections or the relationships and really um, make a professional life for yourself based on these different passions. And I think that's great advice for anyone listening, not just for a highly sensitive person, but I know a lot of us um, out there don't just think, we, you know, I, we might have a passion that drives us, but we might have five, six, seven other things that really fascinate us. 
And, and we don't, we, we we're raised in a culture where we think we can only pursue one passion professionally. And it's not the case. And I think these last 15 years, seeing how entrepreneurship has grown and people are just trying new things has really taught us that we can have more than one passion and run with it. Yes. So, uh, so it's very interesting in terms of the highly sensitive person and looking at how that comes together. But also for the highly sensitive entrepreneur, because I know that this advice kept my company small for a long time because everybody kept telling me you need to have one niche and you have you need to have one target market and you need to do one thing for them and i help highly sensitive people with a burnout but i also help highly sensitive entrepreneurs um and and i also help highly sensitive employees and i help highly sensitive men but i also help highly sensitive women and we've always learned you need to choose you need to be a coach for highly sensitive men that want to have their own business, for instance. Mm -hmm. And then you fail at the other ones, but I can help so many more people than just that. And it had always been a struggle for me in my company to, to, to need to choose one thing. Yeah, very good point too. And I think with entrepreneurship, um, like, uh, like traditional careers, we are pushed to find that one niche, that one area. And, uh, and that's very difficult. And, and for some of us, it's very restraining. Yes. Uh, we're not able to serve our, our bigger purpose. Um, thinking about, um, you know, highly sensitive people, but then thinking about those who are in the 80% who are not highly sensitive people, but we all live together in the same world. We're all in the same, you know, circles and, and jobs. What are some tips for those who are in the other 80% who are not highly sensitive people in terms of understanding and being able to um, work or, or, or speak or be with, I'm thinking personal relationships and also the workplace mm -hmm. uh, with highly sensitive people? Also a very excellent question because that is often also a big problem. I have a lot of highly sensitive people come up to me and ask me, how do I explain this to my spouse? Or how do I explain this to my coworker? Or do I need to explain this to my boss? And what I always say is then when you are not a highly sensitive person, chances are very high that you won't be able to understand a highly sensitive person because that's just not the way things work for you. Mm -hmm. And I also always, <clears throat> sorry, I also always say you don't have to understand because it's beyond the scope of possibilities, but accept. So don't judge so quickly. Accept that there are people for whom things work differently than for you. And if they tell you how things work for them, then don't criticize them don't make them feel inferior don't make them feel like they are less than just listen to how they tell you that things work for them or listen when they explain what they need from you and then just accept that this is the way things work for them or that these are the things they need from you even though you might think it's completely ridiculous so postpone judgment and accept more judge less accept more postpone judgment and judge less yes those are great tips for us working in this um in in this environment working whether it's in personal or professional 
I wanted to ask you another question because um, we are in the middle of 2020. (laughs) So we talked about toolkits for highly sensitive people. We just came up with three great points for those of us who are in the um, 80% who are not highly sensitive people um, in in being able to work better together. Um, But 2020 has been a tough year. Yes. It's just all around globally. I know we're in different parts of the globe. It's, um, it's just been a very tough year. And, and there's been a lot to process for a lot of people. And it doesn't matter if you're highly sensitive or not. There's just a lot going on. And I was wondering if you had any tips to provide um, in terms of uh, in dealing with all of these things that are out of our control, you know, putting the air quotes, yes. Um, any additional tips that you can provide or, or if you could share how you're helping highly sensitive people navigate 2020? Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I can do both. Um, let's start with the last one first. What I am doing is I am running a free virtual cafe every Wednesday. Um, you can find the information also on my website. I will give the link to Jacqueline, um, in which highly sensitive people have a place to come together and just talk and share experience and i also coach in that group and give tips on on things that they are struggling with or experiencing in life and it's free so everybody can join and if you are a highly sensitive person or if you want to understand highly sensitive people better then you are more than welcome to uh, visit our cafe and just talk or hang out and listen Um, so that's the first thing i want to say And the second thing is in in how to handle things better. And I think this is broader than just highly sensitive people is we need to learn to accept what is. So to surrender to the things that you have no control over. And then I can hear people asking, yeah, that sounds really nice, but how do you do that? And that's also, (laughs) yeah. how do you accept all of this? Yes, that's also a very good question. Um, What I do myself is I started my meditation practice because meditation is about clearing the mind and allowing space in your mind to start accepting things. And the most simple way to meditate is just to follow your breath, go with your breath inwards and then just go explore yourself from the inside and, and see what comes up thought-wise, signal-wise from your body. Um, So meditation is a great way to handle anxiety and fears and doubts and worries because it helps you to clear your head and it helps you to relax, which makes it easier to surrender to what is happening. Um, You also need to make um, a difference between situations and people and things that happen that you have control over and things that you don't have control over. So not being able to go on holiday, all the borders being closed, the mandatory quarantine, those are things you have no control over. So you can be very upset and it costs you huge amounts of energy and emotions and stress and you name it, but it won't change anything. You're not helping yourself. You're not helping your environment. So in these situations, it's okay to say to yourself, I'm not liking this, but for now, I need to accept it because this is just the way things are. Mm -hmm. Find a way to surrender to the things that are the way they are at this moment. And that is a very important distinction at this moment. So it doesn't mean that you accept it for the rest of your life. 
It doesn't mean that this is your new normal, even though some people want us to believe that this is the new normal. But for me, this will never be the new normal. It's just the way it is at this moment. Yeah. And because I cannot change it, I need to accept it and surrender to it at this moment. The things I can have control over are spending time in nature, for instance. So spending time in nature is one of the ways I cope with everything that's going on. Because when I go in nature, the healing energy of nature, the soothing sounds like uh, the ocean, for instance, or even the river, the birds, uh, feeling the sun on your skin, hearing the wind in the leaves, all those things also have a calming effect on our nervous system, which is especially important for highly sensitive people, but also works on the other 80%. So I don't have any control over uh, the mandatory quarantine, but I am allowed to go in nature. So I go in nature and enjoy the heck out of nature because that's something I have control over. Yeah, this sounds a lot like the circle of influence. I mean, it, it's sort of what, what can I control? Let me work within that and accept what I can't control. Yes, um, yes I'm, I'm, I'm tired of be, being isolated and I can't go on vacation, but I can go hiking for a weekend and with, with my family, for example. And so trying to, um, to think outside of, the negative, oh my God, I can't go on vacation, I can't do this, I've been home for three months. And instead trying to find those positive things that um, also are more empowering, right? Taking control and going yes. out there and doing something physical, so which is great, um, yes. walking in nature. So that's very good advice. What I've also done is I have stopped watching the news. Me I don't too. Watch television anymore. I also don't read newspapers. Sometimes I hear a news item on the, on the radio or something, or people tell me what I need to know. Because most things in the news, and especially the images, we are image thinkers. Highly sensitive people are image thinkers. So when you see um, a man in Spain being beaten by the police because he dared go out on his bike, it calls to our sense of injustice. And we, highly sensitive people, we... We cannot handle injustice, unfairness. That's our Achilles heel. So seeing something like that on television riles us up and we think that's injustice, that's unfair. And then you become emotional and your energy goes up. But you cannot control anything. You cannot help that man because he's not in your country. You cannot do anything towards the police because it's not your country. So it, it, it riles you up to a certain emotional state that you don't have any control over. So if I hadn't seen that on television, I could have skipped this entire part, mm -hmm. which gives me much more peace of mind, much more peace of body, um, and, and makes me feel a lot better. While if I hear it on the news, it impacts me less than when I see it on the television or when I see it in the newspaper with photos. Oh, because images are much more powerful when you add those images. Yeah. Yes. Um, and for me, it's also um, prepping myself to be able to handle the information. So I, I like to be able to say, okay, now I, I, can, I can see what's going on for the day. And, and that's the time when I'll go and I'll look at the news. I'll look for what I, I'm, I'm looking for rather than just letting it bombard me at any time. Exactly. Yes. You get to choose what you see and when you see it and how much of it you see. Mm hmm it's made a big difference. Well, um, we're coming to the end of our interview and, and you've given us some great advice 
um, for highly sensitive people, but I think some of these toolkits apply to any of us as well, some of the things in this toolkit. Uh, I wanted to see if you had any final um, words of advice, tips, or final thoughts that you wanted to share with us in terms of succeeding for highly sensitive people or for those of us who work or live with highly sensitive people? Um, what I think is most important is that you find out everything about yourself that you can. It doesn't really matter if you are a highly sensitive person or not, but just get to know your own user manual really well. What makes you tick? What gives you energy? What causes you energy? What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? Um, what do you like? What you don't like? What you're allergic to? What you love to eat? Uh, what you love to do? What you hate to do? All those things collect as much information about yourself as possible. And then instead of fighting it or be ashamed of certain parts of it or hating certain parts of it, just embrace who you are. Embrace everything, the good shit, the bad shit, just all the shit. <laughs> embrace who you are and, and find a way of living, a job, a profession, a company, it doesn't really matter in the end, that adheres to your passion and your strengths and that makes your face smile, that makes your whole face light up and, and, and that you love talking about. And use your strengths and, and the things that you're good at to build that out even further. And if you are missing some strengths, for instance, for becoming an entrepreneur, then find creative solutions how to handle that. Maybe you could take a course and learn them, or maybe you can outsource to somebody else and let somebody else do the things that you're not good at. But explore options. Don't let the bears in the road stop you from even exploring what your big dream is, getting clear on your big dream and trying to pursue it. Get to know yourself really well, get to know your passion really well, and then just embrace all of that and, and do something with it that makes you shine. And that's a beautiful way to end this interview and some inspiring words for the whole day. Um, embrace yourself, get to know yourself and embrace yourself. All of it, the good, the bad, the obvious is you. This is your passion and run with it. And I think... Um, those words of advice are definitely going to be helpful. It's part of the toolkit I leave with today in terms of um, how to uh, live a better life. And so thank you so much for that. And thank you, Barbara, for sharing all this information about highly sensitive people, uh, something that, again, we don't really talk about in, in terms of the professional or the personal, and in sharing these toolkits with us that it doesn't matter if you're a highly sensitive person or not, there's something in this interview for everyone for everyone to be able to be more successful and to, and to be successful surviving, living and surviving through our 2020, the, the year that we'll never mention again once we survive yeah. it. <laughs> Nobody will ever forget as long as they live. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but definitely great tips to not just live, but thrive. And, uh, and I appreciate that you took the time out, Barbara, to share these with us. Thank You're you. You're very welcome, Jacqueline. I loved being here. I love talking with you. And uh, yeah, everybody's listening that feels touched or that recognizes something. I offer also a free virtual coffee for people that just want to connect with me and that want to talk and want to discover if they are highly sensitive or not, or just want to take control of your life. Everybody is welcome that feels touched by what we talked about today.
Thank you so much. And, and uh, in the description for this interview, you'll find links to all these resources. You just have to click on the link and it'll lead you to the virtual um, coffee hour or to set up that appointment or to the HSP quiz. If you're like me and you're going to run and take that quiz right after this interview. So definitely look at the description, click on the links and use those resources. They're free and they're there for you. Thank you so much for the resources, for the interview, and for all this amazing information about highly sensitive people and for all of us on how to live our best lives. You are more than welcome. <laughs> I enjoyed being here.